we might recognize this music as the love theme for a movie that celebrates the magic of movies, Cinema Paradiso, Cinema Paradiso. And of course, the theme of filmmakers making movies about their love of the medium is a perennial one. That theme happens to be one that we'll notice as we scan the list of 21 films to be screened in 21 days as part of the annual Winter Film Festival at the Dietrich Theatre in Tunkhannock. As we'll learn, Ronnie Harvey, general theatre manager at the Dietrich, who books the movies there, has a personal love story about movies that echoes, in a way, a dream-come-true story right out of Hollywood. Ronnie Harvey stopped in at the WVIA studios to tell us about the festival and to invite us to attend. I don't know the exact number. I never know because as soon as I hear the number of how many festivals we've done, my head explodes. But how our film festivals work, it's 21 films over 21 days. So we originally intended festivals to just be a week, a few select movies. Over the years, it expanded to two weeks. Then it expanded from just one a year to twice a year. And then we thought, well, why don't we do another third one just for fun and make a little week one there? And then before you knew it, now we have four festivals, three weeks apiece, 21. It usually varies from 21 to 24 movies, depending on what's in the marketplace at the time. And then they're all staggered showtimes. They're some of the best independent foreign um, documentary features that are out at the marketplace at any given time. Do you have a regular audience, a regular clientele, people who are always coming? It's funny. We just did our preview show when we show all of the commercials for all of the movies, all the trailers put together so people get an idea. And it usually changes their perspective and they add, oh, I want to see three or four more. I didn't even think about that just from reading about it. And a lot of the same people came. And one of the ladies who comes to the preview and comes to a lot of the films said she walked in and she's like, all of my friends are here. And she realized that all of her friends are people that she's met through coming to the film festival just over the years. And she's like, I know everybody that's in this place now because they all start talking. They all start, you know, debating about the movies and just seeing each other on the lobby. So it really has become and some of them at the little coffee clutch. They're off to go to the across the street to get coffee and hang out. So it has kind of really bonded our community. Not only is it a big thing for our community to have this constantly, but it's bonded the community in a way that we hadn't anticipated. One of the things that is fascinating when you come to join us at the table, Ronnie, is that in putting together a schedule, you know the audience. You think you've come to know what, but you also like to push them a little. Absolutely. So I I know when I look at a schedule, I go, okay, well, these three are going to be the highest attended. These three, because not to, not to down the audience in any way, but they're the ones that are the most easily accessible in a way. They're the ones that have the big name stars and they tell a nice sweet story and they're they're kind of wrapped up with a nice little bow at the end. Those are people's favorite kinds of movies. But throughout the years, you know, you slowly start to push those boundaries. And I'm noticing that some of the movies that I would have never thought the particular customers would be enjoying are now starting to enjoy more out there work you know, directed in a in an interesting way or telling like a more biting, wicked story. 
So I think I'm slowly morphing them because it's very funny when I start to talk about the movies that we have in festivals. The ones that I'm usually most excited for are the ones that our customers are the exact opposite for. So I get to go, haha, gotcha. Like, here's the ones that I really like, but I know I'm still feeding them, if you will, with stuff that they're definitely going to like. And the other unusual thing is that you don't go in with, I'm going to examine the women's issues this time. And yet sometimes themes emerge. Absolutely. I Usually I find the, the themes after the fact. And so I'm able to talk about it at our discussion that we do afterwards. But yet again, this time, a clear themes came out at me right as I was making it. And I guess that's probably due to just time and, and creating it throughout all these years, but there are multiple themes and I'm even starting to find a little even theme within a themes like as, as I'm going along prior to this even getting started. Well, let's start with a big theme. Yes. So the big overarching theme that I'm seeing in this festival is parents or recollected childhoods. In multiple films, there are characters that are retelling stories about their parents from a new perspective. And so they're showing you as children how they perceived these events to be. And then they're now telling you what they actually were. And that kind of plays into like the eyes of a child also is within that theme. So we have multiple films after Sun, which is the story of a daughter and father on a holiday and she's recalling the events of this holiday that was very, what's the word I'm looking for, that was very formative to her childhood. And now she's seeing that that, that what she once perceived to be this loving, wonderful holiday that they shared together, there was actually darker, more sinister, more um, more depressing things going on during that and how it how it played out for the rest of her childhood and into adulthood. That also plays out in Memories of My Father, which <laughs> says it right there. It's called Memories of My Father. And it is the son of a doctor and a human rights activist who is retelling what his father went through to try to keep them away from the violent uprisings that were going on in Colombia the drug dealing, everything that was happening around him and how, how that impacted his life and made him the influential writer that he eventually became. And then on a smaller way, the son also deals with that same... We had a movie not that long ago called The Father, and it was already Anthony Hopkins, and it was dealing with his him going through dementia and Alzheimer's. And this is a prequel, if you will, or a kind of... A kind of non-linear story because Anthony Hopkins character plays Hugh Jackman's father in this movie. So he's the father from that movie. <laughs> you don't need to have seen the father to actually get the son, but it's the story of Hugh Jackman recalling <laughs> the events of growing up with his own father and how he has impacted his own son and how that strained relationship between the father and son has then kind of morphed into another strained relationship between a father and son and what familial connections will do. And then in another kind of not really recollected childhood, but the whale deals with a relationship between a father and daughter. 
And The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser, he's getting all the awards acclaim for it. He plays a morbidly obese man who's stuck in his home, and he wants to reconnect with the daughter that he never cared for or had a relationship with. And so it's the story of him trying to come to terms with his own life and to try to give or do something to the daughter that he feel like he neglected. And then her struggles with trying to, you know, wrap her head around the fact that he wants back into her life. So all of these movies deal with this weird take on familial relationships and what the past can do to talk about the future. And then another theme that, that, that came up to me, it's only a few films in here, but another theme that is apparent to me is the love of cinema. And I think that's so important. I can see myself in a few of these films. Growing up, I, I talk about the story about how I drove by the place where I work now, the Diedrich Theater, when it was shuttered. And I turned to my mother. She recalls this story to me. I turned to her and said, why is that theater closed? Why does no one, why is no one there? And she recalls that memory of and she being like, oh, well, people, people, it just went out of business. And I said the words, why don't people reopen it again? Unbeknownst to me, people were doing that. <laughs> and I benefited from that. And Empire of Light stars Olivia Coleman, Colin Firth. It's directed by Sam Mendes. And it's the story of the inner workings and relationships of a small group of cinema workers in a small English seaside in the 80s. And so while that might not necessarily play to some people might not have a connection to that, I immediately connect because I know I'm I'm a worker. I'm in a small theater. It might not be on the seaside, but <laughs> the river's right there. But it's in a lovely little town. And it just shows the inner workings and and the love of cinema that's shared throughout all of them. And I don't know if everybody has the same feeling or the same goosebumps that you get when the lights go down and the music starts, especially if you're really into something that's about to play. You know, you you can sense that. And so I think that whole movie is is that feeling. <laughs> And then there's another movie called The Last Film Show. It is about a little boy living in a remote village in India, and he gets to go to the movies for the first time. And how getting to go to the movies for the first time completely changes his life, and it makes him want to become a filmmaker. So it's the story about these little precocious, young 9, 10, 11-year-old boys stealing film reel and like creating their own little lenses and things and how light is so important to make their to make their movies and the relationship now that I'm right now in the moment with him and his father how his father has expectations for him and how those expectations don't necessarily correlate to being a young filmmaker and then not necessarily on the same vein as in like the love of cinema but the movie has seemed to reignite a love of cinema our most ambitious play or our most ambitious push in a while, I usually do a horror film every once in a while, but for this one, I chose RRR. I don't know if you've heard about RRR, but RRR is a Telejew film. It's been getting a ton of press and love, and it is a straight up action movie. And that, that is something that we would not typically play for a film festival, but the reaction that everyone's giving it is not only is it chaotic action but it also has this bond this brotherly bond and this love of cinema and music and 
action and fun. And places are starting to talk about people dancing in the front of the theaters as the dance sequence going on, because it's got that special Bollywood feel that's going on. But it's it's not a true story, but it has true elements in it. It's the story of two revolutionaries who did exist that were trying to overthrow the British rule in India during the 20s. And these men did both exist, but they did not have a connection to each other. So this movie is a reimagining of what would have happened if these two had connected and had formed this friendship and bond and overthrew everything. And in the trailer, he's catching a motorcycle with his hands. So like we're talking about that's the kind of action we're talking about, but it's supposed to be so much fun and invigorating. So I really recommend that people just give it a shot. What do you you got to lose? You're going to have a fun time in the movie theater. Movies are an escape from reality, escape from the real world and all the drama and all of the yelling and the the stuff. So I love that. Just have a moment, grab some popcorn and enjoy a crazy fun tells you action film that you really can't experience outside of a movie theater. Like that's going to give you that really intense, fun action. So I hope that people give it a shot. We love to try to pepper in little random things. Now, I didn't ask you yet. How are you opening the festival? Ah, yes. So we're opening with one of the little Bower one, like I spoke about before, The Good House, starring Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein. It's a story of a rekindling romance between a new New England realtor and her long lost love from her young love that she had. And it's the story about how she has to get over her own vices, her vice being wine. And some might not think of that as a vice, but for her, yes, it is a vice. And it's the story of her trying to to reconnect with this old flame, but also figure out her own reckless behavior and the long buried trauma that she has and maybe come out of it with a new look on life and a new love. And so how could you go wrong with that? With good acting, no Good way. acting, no way. And then our second film is Living, starring Bill Nye, not the science guy, the other one. And it actually is a funny story. When I was booking the movie, I didn't tell Erica, executive director, I did not tell her about what ones we were planning on. I just sent it over to her. And I heard her office go, oh, oh gosh, oh gosh, because Kazuo Ishigura is our Wyoming County Reads for this month. And he wrote the screenplay for living. It was just serendipity, honestly. It was serendipity. It just happened that way. So he's really providing entertainment for us this month. And it's the story of an ordinary man. He lives his life, goes to work, you know, does what he's supposed to do. And he gets a diagnosis. And he has to decide what he's going to do with what could possibly be the last day of his life. And so he makes a pact with himself that he's going to live life to the fullest. And so he does just that. And from all that I've heard, it's wonderful and life affirming. It's beautiful. And with Bill Nye and written by Ishiguro, how could you go wrong? There's talk of awards for yes. him too, Bill award, Nye. Yep. He is nominated for an Academy Award. I think out of all the movies, we have 19 Academy Award nominations throughout all of the movies. You've given us already a balance of foreign films, some stateside made films. What's Goodnight Oppie? Yes, so we do have some documentaries that we have in the festival. Goodnight Oppie is the documentary about the opportunity 
It's about the Opportunity Rover, and and it shows the people that came together to make that mission possible. And throughout the entire life of Oppie, essentially, you're looking at Oppie as a living entity, which we, we can talk about that, but it's it's going and it's telling you about his life and how he went on this journey and did all this and then onto his essential retirement. So it leads you to understand the people behind the mission and the robot himself. And you get to see all of this beautiful space. We cannot let you leave this room surrounded by classical music unless you tell us that you're bringing us Kate Blanchett. <laughs> oh, we are bringing you Kate Blanchett in Tar, which I'm pretty sure... You know, I think it's between two people, but she's one of the two. I think she's going away with the Academy Award. Tar follows Lydia Tar, played by Kate Blanchett. She is the groundbreaking conductor of a German orchestra. And it goes, I think that's another theme that I've found within this festival is dynamics of power, possibly, that we might also speak of. And it, she is, without mincing words, she's... A char- I guess I will mince where she's a character, if you will. She's very strong-willed. She's very hard-edged. And it's kind of a look at her spiral into a kind of zone that I don't want to speak too much about. I don't want to go too deep into what. But it's the story of how power sometimes envelops us and how power can corrupt us. And that also plays into She Said, the movie about the the women who took down Harvey Weinstein and how his allegations just piled up and piled up and no one did anything. And the women finally took control of their own narrative. And so there's that She Said. And then I had an All the Beauty in the Bloodshed is another documentary film that we have. Uh, Laura Poitras is the filmmaker and she follows Nan Golden who is an acclaimed photographer and who wants to speak truth to power when it comes to the Sackler family and the donations that go into the Met and where that money and corruption is in in connection to the opioid epidemic. So yeah, speaking truth to power, we have another documentary film in here, Framing Agnes is one that I'm very excited to to watch. There was a gender study that was conducted in the 1950s, and it was found by a bunch of research students. And so they chose to make a quasi-documentary about this, and it, it, it deals with a transgender woman who was able to infiltrate her way into this gender study without people knowing that she was in this gender study. And it speaks truth to these people existing and not having their voices heard at a time when people were telling them they don't exist. There is none. That's not a thing. And so this this movie uses transgender actors and actresses to recreate the research that we have on recording. And so they're kind of recreating it in front of you to put a face to the voice, essentially, and to speak truth to power that these people did exist and they were being ignored. And so I just think that's a very important story to tell. And it shows that you always have a deep concern for humanity and its many expressions. So what I what I encourage anybody who wants to come to festival, I have found the themes of connected, recollected pasts, power of cinema, 
corruption and power. So now I don't tell you to try to find a theme for me that I did not find. Aha, a challenge. Please report back to us. Tell us about what the opening night is like. Will there be refreshments and things? Yes. So opening night, it starts this Friday, February 17th. Doors open at six o'clock. There are still tickets available. You get local hors d'oeuvres from our local TNC grill. They have a little like almost a bento box, if you will, of little hors d'oeuvres. And then the bistro right across the street is serving their famous lobster bisque soup with it as well, which is to die for. And then Nimble Hill is providing the refreshments, the libations, if you will. And then after the first movie, TNC Grill has the Bakery 420, which is connected to it. So they have specially made cupcakes for dessert and you get to watch both movies. So you can give us a call, check out our Facebook page, our website for all the details. Ronnie Harvey, General Theater Manager at the Dietrich Theater in Tunkhannock, speaking about Winterfest 2023 from February 17th through March 9th, 60 East Tioga Street in Tunkhannock is the address of the Dietrich Theater. The festival opens tomorrow evening with two movies and special refreshments, as we've just heard. The Good House and Living are the films, and there are those wonderful, delectable treats as well. For more information, dietrichtheater.com, D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H, theater, E-R at the end, dot com, dietrichtheater.com, Winterfest 2023 at the Dietrich Theater, 60 East Tioga Street in Tunkhannock from February 17th through March 9th, 21 films in 21 days, including the lovely documentary about Oppie that we just heard described by Ronnie, and that's the story of Opportunity, the Mars rover who was dubbed Oppie by the creators of Opportunity and the scientists at NASA. Oppie was expected to live for only 90 days, but ultimately explored Mars for nearly 15 years, and this is one of the tunes from the soundtrack. Winterfest 2023. For more information on the web, dietrichtheater.com, opening tomorrow evening. <laughs>